All right, everybody, welcome back to the Future Freshman Podcast. Welcome to episode three. And uh, today I'm highly joined by one of my good friends here, and he's also on the CFF staff. He is also uh, the host of College Filtered, uh, as far as you can find him on Campus to Can on the YouTube page. And he also is on the Debbie Debate that you can find every Wednesday when they go live, every Wednesday night. And that is Mr. Chris Moxley. You can find him at Twitter at, at Chris Moxley19. Chris, welcome to the show, bud. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I've enjoyed your uh, your first couple shows. They've been really informative stuff and some really cool uh, takeaways, especially especially with Matt talking about the Ohio State yeah. room. But, you know, he, you got to throw him a bone every once in a while. Yeah. Shout out to my boy, Matt Bruning. I hope he's doing well. I'm glad that I was able to give him a platform to where he can boast. I know you guys had the tracker on there. I don't know if you guys were ticking on it as well on this show. So hopefully he doesn't go against his, <laughs> his, his track or anything like that. Um, just full disclosure, I'm also a big wrestling fan. So when I see Moxley, I think of John Moxley in wrestling. So automatically I'll call Chris Moxley Mox. That's his new nickname. He hasn't told me no yet. So if I say Mox, if you hear me on the, on, you know, whether you're listening or you're watching in uh, here on YouTube, uh, just know that I'm talking about Chris. So <laughs> for anyone that's on there as well. Um, so before we get started, got some housekeeping. We are only a few weeks away from the actual guy from C2C. Of course, that is freshman and supplemental. So, you know, maybe we wanted to, you know, figure out what Bailey Zappi was doing last year, but we didn't have that chance because there was no guide. Now we have that opportunity and stuff like that. Chris, you've, uh, you know, done some of these profiles as well, just some of the guests that we've had on, uh, you know, previously in the past episodes. Tell me your experience with the guide and uh, your takeaways from this this project that I know was massive for you guys, for sure. Yeah, it was really impressive, the work that everyone put together for this. I can't take too much credit. I mostly did some proofreading after it came out and it looked fine but i i uh i know how much time and energy went into this guide and it's gonna blow a lot of people away over 180 profiles we have adp data in there we have something new which is uh miles per hour data not a lot of people are tracking that we have two really great guys who are doing that um david and matt who are both on the official which is a uh, cam skin youtube show but some really informative stuff that you will not find elsewhere Freshman, the supplemental portion, like you were saying, who's coming in that we want to add that likely weren't, uh, you know, weren't on teams last year. Cameron Ward's a great example of a guy who, you know, you're going to target him because he's coming from FCS, wasn't in the player pool. So we have a lot of insights into those sorts of players. And if you're in the Discord that you can get in for, you know, if you're a member of the site, we're dropping some of those every, we're leaking them out a little bit. And Cameron Ward was the one today, and it was a really great profile done by uh, Austin, who you can find him at Debbie Deets. Yeah, um, I'm really, really stoked how the layout and everything looks. I thought of you know, it's beautiful. Of course, you know, when you work with graphics and things like that, you just look for those small details and, you know, having the information is perfect, but then having it all laid out for you like that, it's just ideal. So uh, I definitely, I definitely agree. And I think you guys should get on the Discord if you are a member. Uh, of course, Campus of Canton, you can do it, I believe, $30 for the entire year. So that's only $9.99 more than paying for the full guide of 20 bucks. So why wouldn't you want to pay that extra $10? Then you get to see stuff like me and Chris's uh, rankings that we have for CFF coming up pretty soon that, you know, we'll tease a little bit. Um, you'll see things like, uh, you know, the metrics breakdown. There's stuff that Jarek that does for us on the on the website that I think are phenomenal and worth probably the extra 10 bucks alone just for those graphs and charts and things like that. So you can kind of compare. You'll see them in articles, whether it's uh, conferences like Hannon's doing, or you're looking at things like, uh, you know, 
just want to compare and contrast for your own sake, whether you're doing CFF Dynasty, maybe you're doing it for uh, C2C League that you just hopped in for the very first time. I know uh, I will be, I'll be doing that myself actually pretty soon, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, so these are all these tools that you can use. So $30, guys, for the whole year. Why not? Um, so, you know, while we're doing some housekeeping, of course, you see the graphic down below. Uh, we do have that partnership with Price Picks. So if you use the code CFFU, you'd get a matching deposit up to $100. So make sure you're doing that. Uh, you know, the goal is to get the bankroll up now because, you know, football is still coming up ahead. Uh, you know, you know, we record this ahead of time at full disclosure. So we did have the combine stuff that just dropped. So I know some of the guys were able to make some money off of there. I know some of the guys decided last minute they weren't going to actually test. That's kind of lame, right? But, you know, for the most part, if you did like the uh, the foreplay or the, you know, the flex or anything like that, you still probably made some money. Hopefully you didn't play the power play of five and then hopefully it didn't get canceled. Luckily, uh, price fix is good about getting your money back if stuff gets canceled or anything like that. So think about that. Use the code CFFU. Try to get your bankroll up. Uh, like I said, the CFF. The CFFU podcast will be back uh, in regular season, so then we'll have all those fantasy points. Then we can double up on that money for sure. So that's what we definitely want to do. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring on Chris today is because, you know, he he and I, Jared, Nate, we're in the thick of it when it comes to CFF and preparation, especially with spring games coming up. But we also are taking a look at the freshmen and how they're landing. We're seeing if there's any reports on how they're doing already, um, you know, if they're kind of blending in, how they're doing the weight room, are they getting adjusted to the playbook? But these guys I want to call more like the, uh, I wouldn't say like they are like middle, but I want to call it the middle of the pack episode. And the reason why I want to do that is because they go unnoticed a lot more times, or there's guys with bigger names that always come to the forefront. We talked about that in episode one, the cream of the crop episode. And then we talked about, you know, more like of a bias opinion with me and Matt last week. Well, this week we wanted to kind of bring in these guys that you probably have heard of, but at the same time, uh, they don't get as mentioned as much, but there's so much opportunity that me and Chris were like, we got to, we got to, you know, bring these to the attention because they have a, a legitimate shot of actually, you know, making a production level that's worth it to have as a freshman in year one. And that's what we ultimately want in CFF Dynasty. And even, uh, you know, maybe in some redraft, we could pick off the waiver route. So let's start off and we're going to start. Uh, I'm going to let, uh, I'm going to let Chris do the first name because I always just call him McMillan or T-Mac. Uh, what would you say his uh, his name goes by there, Chris? I believe it's pronounced Tutoria. Okay. I'm not super confident on it. It's a difficult name, but yeah. Tutoria McMillan is is uh, you know five star kid, four high four star kid, I should say. Yeah. But uh, yeah, awesome, awesome player heading to um, to Arizona that I'm really excited to to dive in on. Yep. So I, I saw Titoro, but I mean, I could be wrong. Let's just call him T-Mac for short. All right. T-Mac, so let's do it. <laughs> I like to do the nickname. So he's 6'4", great, um, great height, 185 pounds. Uh, I believe that he is uh, gaining weight from what I hear. So, I mean, he should be in the 200s pretty much by the time we're talking about this when this podcast drops. Uh, he has been on campus, you know, for a little while now as well. Uh, for his varsity total max, uh, per max prep, so that's just the total time he's been a varsity player. Uh 2,640 receiving yards, 34 touchdowns and receiving. He averages 14.7 uh, yards per reception, so that's your yards after the or yards after the catch. A lot of times, 179 catches and receiving yards per game, 97.8. So this dude is dropping almost 100 yards a game, and that's what you want to see on production. Uh, the at big wide receiver guy, so our friend Matt over at the official hooked us up. So he's 20.4 miles per hour. Of course, the 20 mile 
Parker is kind of what you want to see when it comes to most of these wide receivers and running backs. With a Newton of 6979, again, to refresh everyone's memory, Newtons is just pretty much mass or their weight versus their speed uh, over time. So that's, uh, that's a little bit better. You want to see about 6,000 Newtons or higher, basically, is what we're kind of looking at as well. So from what 24-7 was saying on their scattering report is that you know, he has that long 6'4 frame. He's a two-way player, so he does do cornerback like we talked about Andre Green Jr. last week on the pod. Having that element of being able to understand the other side of playing defense makes you a better receiver because you know what you got to do to get off the line to separate yourself and get that type of separation. Then you add the fact you have all this tallness, right, Chris? So now he's a red zone threat. He high points the ball well. Uh, he jump balls, if you're really just going to lob it in, kind of like we talked about on the corners, We've seen uh, guys like uh, in the past, like a Bo Corrales, who we talked about maybe in our in our Slack channel, like Bo is just a taller wide receiver, you know, nice, you know, bigger guy. You just be able to catch him up in the corner. Right. So he might be a legit threat for SMU. This is similar when it comes to McMillan. So let's take a look at the depth chart. So we did have a transfer incoming of Jacob Cowing, who was uh, definitely a, a big time. I would say a good transfer. So now he finally moves up from G5 to P5 kind of like we saw with Tinsley in the past and Mumford, who just did it as well. Uh, I do project Cowling to be a wide receiver one. We also, you know, this isn't listed on the graphic that you might see on YouTube, but Jaden Delora for, did transfer into Arizona. So we have a legitimate starting quarterback. And I think in this type of system, that would do him well. So we have Cowling at wide receiver one, Delora at QB one. But then we have Dorian Singer, who's a sophomore, haven't done much, or Majon Wright, who is their former freshman, Sophomore now had 15 catches as a freshman in 2020. He was ineligible because of, uh, you know, the the grades and stuff like that. But I hear he is back on the team now. So, Chris, this looks like a opportunity for McMillan. What's your thoughts on Arizona? What's your thoughts on McMillan as a talent that you saw? Uh, what, what are you thinking here as far as Arizona, uh, you know, dishing out McMillan and, and the rest of the gang this year? Yeah, so I like him a lot more for CFF than I do maybe Debbie or C2C. I think that he is some areas in his game that will hold him back at the next level. So I'll, I'll preface everything I say, say with that. But this is a guy who is the wide receiver five, according to 24-7. It has a role on this team, I think, and it could potentially do it week one. So Cowing played in the slot 77% of the time last season at UTEP. I think he operates in that same role for Arizona. Singer's probably the other outside guy. I actually thought he was pretty impressive as a true freshman, but you know, he doesn't he, he plays in a very different role than McMillan would. So McMillan's really competing with Majon Wright. I don't know if Wright's any good, but I do though that McMillan has translatable skills. So at worst, you're looking at a guy who's in on wide receiver three in like three wide receiver sets or operating as, you know, like the fourth option at minimum. And I think he has the talent to overtake. Uh, right, just based on his recruiting profile alone and the pedigree that he comes from. All things considered, this is a guy who can get on the field and be a legit red zone threat as as like as soon as he gets on campus. And he's already on campus, which is, which is something that I look for for a lot of these players. Getting a leg up on pretty much every, like any other incoming freshman and just getting the playbook in spring is so important for having these guys make an early impact. And I'm really excited that McMillan did that. Guy who's 6'4", excellent jump ball player already. I think he could do that at the uh, power five level. Like I'm really excited about his opportunity. I do as well. I think he does ever take it right. He is a really high four star. Literally he's like point what zero one away from a five star. I think you have to do nine, eight or above. Right. Uh, so he's, and the fact that 
he was going to be Oregon and he decided, you know, to finally switch to Arizona and Oregon. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like a, a feeder system. One, you got to get a decent quarterback in there. Not a big fan of Bo Nix personally, but as far as, you know, is he a game manager like Anthony Brown was? Yeah, probably. Right. So, I mean, I, at least they can get the ball down the field, but McMillan in an Oregon, uh, you know, doesn't look at as appealing because now you have Delora who actually is a, really decent pocket passer. I know he got, a, you know, it's not as much flack, you know, being in the previous school, but coming over to Arizona, this is almost like, uh, I feel bad for like Sturry Ban- uh, Berryhill, like last year, he, you know, was the lone man in a, in a terrible offense and he still got it done. Like he was actually a decent flex play, if not like a wide receiver two or three in, in CFF, right? So I mean, now you have Cowling who's coming up. He still has to, you know, learn the P5 way of things on there as well. McMillan, is six four, so he's not going to play a slot position. That would be ridiculous of Arizona to kind of do that, right? So he's definitely playing on the out. So he just has to overtake, you know, kind of like we talked about with uh, Dre Green Jr. from Carolina. He just has to beat out his coverage and having that cornerback um, mentality as well, being able to have that advantage. I, I do think he takes over right. I think Singer will probably start. You know, I think he did pretty decent. You know, as far as the uh, the secondary behind Barry Hill, I just see it as like a cowing. And then Singer for now, but I do think McMillan can possibly take wide receiver too, at least by, you know, you know, maybe near the end of the season. Uh, if you, you know, so Chris, since we're talking about like NCFF aspect, say we're looking at a, a freshman draft and stuff like that. Would you necessarily want, say you're middle of the first round, would you want to look at McMillan or you're kind of looking at different assets as far as like maybe quarterback running back and then seeing if McMillan can drop maybe to a second round choice? I think he's going to be available in the second round. Um, a lot of people aren't super high on him currently. And I think that more has to do with like C2C or Debbie value valuation of him, but I don't care about that at all. Right? like for CFF, I don't care how good or bad you translate. Like, I think he's going to be a productive player who can score like 10 touchdowns a year. I don't think you have taken the first. Um, I probably wouldn't take him in the first because like, I honestly don't know how good he is i do think there's holes in his game but you know he's a guy that i do probably want to target because jacob kelling's gone after this year and this is his last year of eligibility i believe and he's gonna go to the nfl and he's a good player so he will in my opinion declare so you're looking at a guy who could be a wide receiver one in an offense that is clearly improving they had a top 25 recruiting class like this arizona is a team on the up and i want to be investing in the wide receiver one for this team and i think when we look in two years, we're going to think McMillan's that guy. I completely agree. And what a steal that would be. You know, people are sleeping on him. And this is why we're having this episode. Maybe this drives the value up. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, but at the same time, like, we're looking at someone that could easily sneak into a middle of the second round and you're able to kind of take them. And now you have someone, and I don't think you have to sit on them too long, maybe like half a year for, for really being – honest with the situation and stuff like that and looking at the tools that they have um they did bring in uh rayshawn luke and a few other running backs and stuff like that as well so they are going to be more of a you know uh rayshawn luke is really really quick so he's he's definitely a catch passing back so i think they're going to start tying a lot of that in there and not just the direct forward motion of running backs there at arizona so there might be some uh target moving and stuff like that um, we really haven't seen a, a premier Arizona tight end. I meant the biggest one out of, you know, we always talk about Gronkowski, who's probably the biggest name to come out of, you know, Arizona as their, their tight end. But, uh, you know, without that situation, we're looking at a more of a spread type of offense. And that's where I think 
we'll get McMillan. Uh, any last thoughts before we move on to the next guy, man? Nah, you you summed it up well. All right, so just keep an eye on McMillan. Uh, like I said, write his name down. He might be someone that we might be able to take a uh, second round. Uh, like I said, if it you know these conversations drive him up a little bit, at very worst you can get him the back of the first, maybe early second if you got that as well. So just kind of keep that in mind. All right, we're gonna move on, and we're moving on to the freshman from Maryland who is committed, and that is Ramon Brown. He is a four-star, a 24/7 sports grade of 0.9121. Uh, he is 5'11". 202 pounds, and I believe climbing as we speak. I know I say that all about everybody, but these weight room guys, it makes a difference. Like once you get into college and they give you pretty much a meal plan and what you need to lift and stuff like that, these guys excel very quickly versus being in at a high school, basically. So uh, varsity total max preps, so total rushing 2,782 yards, 36 rushing touchdowns. He averaged about seven yards uh, per rushing attempt. Carries 399 and rushing yards per game, 84.3, which is pretty solid. Overall touchdowns is 43. He did return some as well. So he does have some specials in him when it comes to return game and kick game as well. Um, let's see. Uh, the big uh, wide receiver guy in Alex from Matt, he's telling us that he's at 19.6 miles per hour. And that's something that I want to bring to your attention, Chris, you know, and we'll talk about in just a second. The Newtons are good, though. He's a 6,900. Uh, excuse me, 6,979 Newtons. So, I mean, like he's, as far as weight versus Matt, uh, his speed, it seems to be good enough to be above the 6,000 marker. But the 19.6, that's a little concerning. Do you think, and I know uh, we, we'll look at the, the scout first before we talk. So he runs the 55 meters, 6.81 seconds, quick feet, uh, great vision, which is what we're looking at, someone that's elusive. And then this background and, uh, you know, Chris was just brought to my attention as far as the, uh, you know, the depth chart uh wide open maybe you know is what we're kind of looking at as well uh what what do you think as far as ramon brown do you see him getting faster as he he's in maryland or do you think his elusiveness he's just able to kind of take over that backfield as we uh go forward into the spring i think he's fast enough like he's a verified four five three on his like uh a top like 40 time so i think he's i think he's fast enough like the Sub 20 miles per hour concerns me. That's really the number that we want to look at. But I wouldn't be surprised if he goes over that because I think that he has the speed to do it. Maybe it's just like inefficient movement is part of that. But I'm not super concerned about that aspect. But I love the opportunity that he's stepping into. So last year, they had Penny Boone. Penny Boone transferred to Toledo. Tanya Fleet Davis graduated. So there's incredibly shallow depth chart. They only return 117 career carries between I believe it's Callan Famatu and Colby McDonald. Neither of those guys are impressive. Uh, you know, they, between them, <laughs> they're averaging like 60 career carries. McDonald was a freshman last year, but I mean, Famatu is a former walk-on who earned a scholarship in 2021. Like this is the type of competition that he has to go up against. And I think he's a good running back already. Who's like, like you said, he, I think he's smart. He's a good runner and he's already 202. He's going to keep adding weight. He's someone who can stay upright and use his size to his advantage and, and get through the second level. He's not coming down to first contact. And I don't think you see a lot of that on his tape either. Yeah, something I noticed. And, and the report, he runs pretty low. So it's like he gets lower on the ground when he runs. And that's really hard to take down a, a running back, considered almost like a bowling ball type situation. You know, it's more lower that you get down on the ground. And the faster that you run, it's just harder to take down someone that's just really just going downfield and get to the second level. Uh, he has a really impressive stiff arm. I liked his as good as I liked Hampton when I got to see that live there at Cleveland. 
Cleveland High School. So I was really impressed with Ramon and how he's able to kind of keep the progression going. I think that's what speaks to the uh, the rushing touchdowns and being able to get that 80 yards per game. I meant at the high school level, uh, you know, I understand it's not as, you know, as big as, say, the college level, but the tangibles that he has, uh, just like it says, he's, he can be at a top 20 program. He's the day three potential, but that was just coming in. He might, you know, go to a day two. Uh, but what me and Chris see the most is look at this depth chart and look how wide open it is. I and mean, then look at the prospect that's coming in as well. He might not be the fanciest four-star that we've seen, but he's still got all these tangibles. And I think, yeah, 19.6 miles per hour. Yeah, that's like elongated. So you might have some corners or maybe some, you know, like linebackers that may be able to catch him to an extent but if he gets a good enough you know if he breaks a, a you know wide open hole which he has the looseness to do and he has a great you know he sees the vision so if he can get open the hole and get the head start i still don't think they can catch him enough time so and you know we're looking at uh, a maryland team that's got a decent quarterback with little i call him little tua but a little tag over uh decent wide receiver options and i know they're going to probably be looking to try to you know uh, stop Demas or stop Jarrett and stuff like that as well. I believe they even have, uh, what's it, Marcus Fleming? I think he's coming back from injury as well as possibly the wide receiver three. So Maryland's got weapons, and they know how to get the ball out quick. So when trying to block this, this opens up the door for them to do a lot of RPO-type situation. I don't know if they do a whole lot of that in Maryland, but it'd be something I'd be looking at, especially with the uh, running catchability of Ramon Brown to go along with it. Um, so, Chris, look, this is someone that I'm seeing – Personally, that I would probably move up higher in my ranking. I would say Singleton still my RB one, but Ramon Brown, someone I'm very high on, and I think I, you know, I would spend a first round pick. Do you think it's worth it and to take it ahead of the the people, or do you think he's still just like McMillan? And this is the theme of the show, right? Do you think people will forget about him by the time it's come to draft here in May or so, and he falls to the second? What's your thoughts? So I don't think he'll go. I don't think he'll end up going in the first. He's just hot, not a high enough pedigree to get there that's my guess i he's probably a second rounder uh based on opportunity mostly and i think that opportunity like we said there's no that he is going to step in day one as the best running back on that team and what is a little bit concerning and something at least to think about if you know if you're drafting now is they could bring in a transfer still and I, there are transfers out there i think this is a good transfer spot i don't think there's anybody in the portal currently that is better than brown would be so that doesn't super scare me but i do think it, it, i do think that's a real possibility that maryland chooses to bring somebody in and and mike loxley is not quite satisfied with the rb room as it is and i i wouldn't be either if i was a maryland fan so that is a like a pump the brakes moment but i still like him i i'm really high on him i just think he is the best opportunity of basically any running back day one maybe outside of singleton and you brought up a great point that's something that uh that hasn't been brought up on the show is that when you do freshman draft so early, you you ruin the possibility of possibly having a transfer because there's the spring practices, right? Once someone gets the opportunity to be declared the starter going into summer and stuff like that, there's going to be another wave of transfer portals, right? So it's going to happen. Uh, so that's why we suggest, you know, doing as further as you can possibly make sure you're looking at it, make sure they didn't get injured in practice, you know, spring games are coming up, so they're going to try to ball out, but sometimes that leads to injury. So you just got to be careful when it comes to that stuff. Currently right now, I, I would say Ramon might be worth, you know, you know, taking that 
possible for it depends on where you're at like if you're at the high first round i don't expect you to go after ramana man you would be kind of silly not to take one of these higher pedigree type guys but if you're sitting mid or loyal on that one for now because of opportunity and that you could probably start him at least three years i'd say he probably declares after the third year because he does have the the tangibles to really kind of do it if not you're definitely getting four years solid out of it and that's worth just weight and goal when it comes to CFF, and that's why we want to bring it to the forefront there. Uh, any last things you have on Ramon before we move on to the next one, man? Yeah, well, we were, I'll, I, the one thing I'll add is while I was researching him a little bit, I did read the profile on him, which you can find in the guide, and we have him, I believe, just outside the top 10 or, like, right on the borderline of the top 10, and that's, like, C2C production. That's, like, looking at an NFL future. This is a guy that will that'll step in and be an immediate producer for you. So, You'll have to you'll have to read the guy when it comes out to get a full laydown on him. Again, we're releasing that soon. Part of membership, or you can buy it independently. But his profile was a really interesting one. And I believe Felix Sharp wrote that um, and did a really good job kind of breaking him down. So he was a profile I think is really quite interesting. That's uh that's pretty intriguing about the outside of the top ten. So that's definitely uh I meant. I mean, a lot of times C two C doesn't always translate at CFF, but in this case, we're just looking at a long term situation, and that means possibly three to four years of college, and then you have them, you know, moving into your NFL league as well. That's, uh, that's very intriguing. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, Ramon Brown, uh, you know, Maryland, great spot, perfect opportunity, the name of the game in CFF and what we're trying to do. So we're going to move on to slide number three, and we're going to talk about the freshman that committed to Oklahoma, Mr. Caden Helms. He is a four-star prospect. Uh, he rates 0.8958 from 24-7 sports. The man is 6'5", 222 pounds, and climbing. Uh, 16th overall tight end in the 22 class. Uh, and I like I like some of these analytics. So total varsity, receiving yards, 1,520. Receiving touchdowns, 18. So his average receiving yards is 15.8. He had about 96 catches total as a vars or varsity player. And receptions per game is about 35.3. And total touchdowns is 19. So we'll have a quick conversation before we move on. Chris, when it comes to the tight end uh, landscape in CFF, we all know we, we had it made in the shade for a couple years there. There was some good depth. Now it's, you got to kind of climb and get these Bowers and Koontz and Mayors of the world very early in drafts. Otherwise, you're literally just left either just picking one up, playing the waiver wire game each week, you know, swapping them out like you do defense and stuff like that. But my man here, Caden Helms, who will go ahead and say has uh, been targeted very heavily, has been spoken of very highly at the Oklahoma spring camps already, uh, and is, you know, they're saying that he's he's the standout Oklahoma tight end. Now, we haven't had a decent one since I said Calcaterra, and then he left for a while, came back, went to SMU. Uh, but Oklahoma's been known to produce a decent tight end. And so we're looking at something that you can grab a hold of that you don't have to worry about long game and having to play the the waiver wire thing you want to have a solid tight end that you can play weekly especially in the cfm dynasty mode so uh the analytics 19.2 miles per hour so right outside the 20 miles per hour uh i it's a tight end right so he's 6'5 222 but he's long he's got 7,418 newtons. that's what i love to see is over 7,000. so we don't have to really worry about the force so when he's getting downfield it's going to be hard to stop the man so right now he's a taller and leaner prospect 
I expect him to beef up pretty quickly. The line, he splits, he has done slot, which, I mean, this is high school, so I'm assuming that he just had to do that in necessity at a high school. Don't see the man doing more than just lining up where he needs to and tight end. Uh, he's a taller receiver, so he can get deep pretty quick. Uh, he is fluid, and he does have his double moves, so he does have great ball skills, and he can get open, and that's what we're kind of wanting to see as well. And this is the biggest thing is that his skills and athleticism, like it talks about here in the scouting report, is showing up during practices already as a freshman at Oklahoma. It's hard enough just to be a freshman, just to, you know, one, make the team, and two, even to even start. So the fact that the man has this depth chart, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, this is uh, this is pretty remarkable news to hear. Um, I know our, we'll give all credit to Mr. Uh, CFF Nate, uh, Mr. Nate Marquise. He is an Oklahoma guy, so he has his ear to the pulse of Oklahoma in the spring stuff and things like that. And I know their reporters like to give you a little pizzazz and maybe give you a little bit of extra right. But they wouldn't bring up Caden Helms unless he's been constantly been put, you know what I'm saying, in the forefront of the attention of the news uh, people or the reporters there or even the coaches who are apparently talking about Caden Helms right now. So uh, what are your thoughts on Caden Helms? What do you think about it coming out of high school? Did you like that he showed up at Oklahoma? And what's, uh, what are you hearing as far as, uh, you know, Oklahoma and, uh, and Helms possibly starting there? Yeah, all credit to Nate here. He uh, he kind of commented on this, and I started digging a little bit, a little bit more. So, the one thing that concerned me was his size. You know, he's only two. He's only about two twenty in high school. He's up to two thirty five apparently. Um, Parker Thune, which is the the guy who kind of covered this a lot, said that they are really impressed by his athleticism. They think that he could push for his words, push for a starting spot. Um. It's a guy who can come in and like, I like the offense. I like Jeff Levy. I think Jeff Levy knows how to use an athletic tight end. Like we saw him do with Kenny Yaboa, for example. Right. So we have a track record from Jeff Levy when he was at Ole Miss using tight ends when they have a good option. And I, I think Helms is an interesting piece here. I think he's really athletic. I think that shows up, like you said, on his tape. I'm not concerned about the depth chart. Uh, Kayon Russell, who was a preferred walk-on as a wide receiver, is ahead of him, which he doesn't really scare me off. And then Braden Willis, who I honestly didn't think played very well last year as the tight end two, is ahead of him. And I I think he immediately steps in. And if, if the reports are legit, that he steps in two tight end sets with the potential to be the guy that they go to in passing situations. Like, I think this is a guy who is... When we get to tight end 16, Arnold, people aren't really on that type of player. Like it's more of a wait and see kind of guy. And this is this is someone who I think you have to target based on the reports we're getting out. So he's someone that you want to take in your your draft your freshman drafts. Yep, absolutely. Uh we did uh Daniel Parker's a senior transfer that also came in as well, but I really don't see him stepping up really either. I forget which school he came from. I don't know if you remember or not, but I honestly don't remember. So <laughs> the NFL comparison, Albert O, Akwe Boonham, if you want to call it, that's how I kind of pronounce the last name. When Albert O was in his prime at Missouri, and I granted like he had had to wait behind Noah Fan. Uh nope, never mind. That was a different school. Pardon that. That was uh, the Hawkinson fan situation. So Aqua Boone was at Missouri. Uh, of course, his quarterback was Drew Locke. Uh, they tried to replicate that there at Denver's, just not working out. However, Alberto was uh, probably tied in one when it came to CFF, regardless, just because of the opportunity, how big, 
how strong he was. And how, so if this man is going to be 235 already, and from reports are showing, you have to adjust on the fly as far as like what we're talking about when it comes to the, the especially in freshman drafts. I already took him in best ball as soon as I heard that one because we were in the middle of a, you know, the best ball draft. And I was like, well, Nate's not in this one, so I can go ahead and grab, uh, go ahead and have, grab Caden Helm. So, and he was like my third tight end. I wasn't trying to take a ton of tight ends. I just wanted to have quality ones that I know if they bust, you know, bust out in best ball, you don't have to worry about setting the lineup. It's just best points available, right? So, if the man breaks out for a game, uh, 35 yards and you know per game is decent at the CFF level. I know it's like nothing to to go home and cheer about or anything like that, but like a 35 yards, a touchdown and a few catches in a PPR league, that's 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 a good solid day, right, Chris? That'll play. Yeah, that'll play. Exactly. And Oklahoma, like you said, it has the system. If they can find a, a really good standout tight end, they will use it in the situation. And we have Levy, we have Gabriel returning, he's playing in the Levy system. Uh, so I love I love the fit. I um, mean, uh, probably beforehand, I would I wouldn't know how he would do probably in a Lincoln Riley type situation. But with Levy Gabriel versus Williams and, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley, I, I like this fit a lot now, basically. Yeah, I and they've also lost receiving options between uh, Judon Hazelwood going to Arkansas and Mario Williams going with Lincoln Riley to USC. So the two returning receivers are Marvin Mims and Theo East. And I think there's opportunity to get a guy like Helms involved. And it's a really shallow depth chart. Maybe Jalil Farouk steps up, but there's opportunity here for sure. Absolutely. So this is why all three of these guys that we just talked about has opportunity in year one. And that's why we, we said it might be in the middle of the pack, but they're sleeping on the opportunity. And this is why we want to bring to the forefront because it just gets lost in all the recruiting and the, you know, the Debbie type situation and the long-term stuff when we're looking at the now and the win and the win and the now is now. So we definitely want to kind of do that as well. So now we're going to move on to our second segment. And of course it is, uh, you know, the big fish, small pond. And of course, every week we look at a player that is going under the radar. That is in, in the P5. They're usually in the G5. And that's someone this week is committed to Boise State. And that's Astron. I call him Genty, but you have a different way of saying it. No, I, I'm pretty sure it's Genty. Okay, so Ashton Genty. And he is a three-star prospect, a higher three-star. He is at 0 0.8493. Um, he's 5'9", 195 pounds. He was the 91st running back in the 22 class. So he still stayed within the top 100 running backs as well. Varsity total max, uh, the, for the max preps, he has 1,626 yards, uh, receiving touchdowns, 17, rushing touchdowns, 39. So you're going to see a trend here. Average rushing yards, 8.2. He had over 96 catches, carries 273. Rushing yards per game, 96.8. So almost another 100 yarder. And receiving yards per game, 70.7. .7. Now that's on a high school level. Uh, overall touchdowns, 56 total in there as well, which I thought was probably the most impressive thing that I've seen. So we automatically out the gate before we're even looking at the analytics. Like, Chris, we're always seeing a guy that can play wide receiver well, can play running back well, and we'll look at some of the scout reports on there as well. Uh, in 2020, he was the Texas District 5, uh, 5A D1 unanimous first-team selection as wide receiver as a junior. Then... Uh, his sophomore year, the year before in 2019, he is a newcomer, uh, defensive newcomer. So he is also someone that understands playing on the defensive side. And once, you know, the common thing that we see is 
having a running back or a wide receiver that understands what the defense is doing and sees the different plays and stuff like that. Granted, each college may be different, so they'll try to switch the game. But in general, you see a, you know, at least a certain play kind of develop and stuff like that. But you understand. And that's where Genty comes into play. Now, let's look at running back in the depth chart. The only one I'm really concerned about, because the other one apparently has either graduated or transferred from what Chris was telling me here off air, is that we don't have to worry about George Halani, who's the junior, right? So Halani, he started last year, but he has some injury issues, right? Or some injury things where it just keeps collecting. And that's, a, that's an issue, because if you can't stay on the field, it's usually a next man up mentality. So Halani, if he's only out of 12 games, only going to play six or seven, this opens up opportunity almost immediately for Genty. And who's to say that he can't go ahead and just take the job by the end of the year? Uh, Chris, what's your thoughts on him? What, uh, what did you see on tape? And uh, this was uh, your recommendation, which I want to give you credit for because you found you found the diamond in the rough this week. Tell me about Genty and why you love him so much, man, and why we need to pay attention uh, here at Boise State. Yeah, so I, I stumbled upon him when I was looking at the Boise State depth chart for this year, and I was like, they have an opportunity for a running back. And then I went, I'll, I'll pump our guide again. I went in for the guide and said, dang it, Austin Nace um, had already written him up, and he's very high on him as well. I was like, oh, I thought I found somebody. So we we both are incredibly high on, on uh, Genty. And there's a lot of context that goes into who he is and like how we kind of arrived at this role. So Three years ago, his dad was stationed in Naples, Italy. He did not play American football until his sophomore year of high school at all. His sophomore year, he's, they want to get him on the field so that he plays defense. He plays safety, he plays linebacker, line him up at the defensive line, plays really all over the field. Excellent athlete, so he was able to succeed. They know he's probably a running back. They switch him to running back his junior season. He only had 44 carries because he's behind Jaden Nixon, who – was a top, I think, top 40 running back that went to, uh, went to Oklahoma State last year. So a guy ahead of him is already a quality player, so only has 44 carries. But he does have 800 receiving yards in, a, in the backfield. This year, he gets the full-time opportunity, 229 carries, 1,843 rushing yards, and 24 touchdowns to go with 800 receiving yards and 41 total touchdowns this season. His season was incredible this year. And he's a very late riser because he's only been playing football for three years. Only been playing running back for two. This is someone who is an elite pass catcher, has good speed, already has requisite size. He's already on campus. Reports have been that he looks good and a little bit bigger. So he could already be, be up to 200. They say he's really impressive in drills. The only guy ahead of him is George Helani. Taekwon Taylor, who's also there, uh, is more of like, He's a smaller back, so I don't really know how they want to use him, but he's the other returning guy. Andrew Van Buren's in the transfer portal, and Cyrus Habibi Likio is declared for the draft. So wide open depth chart with a guy who I think is immensely talented. Uh, yeah, from what I saw, just explosive. Um, so the analytics from big wide receiver guy, 20.7 miles per hour. Awesome. The Newtons are on point as well, 7,574. So just the analytics is speaking to what Genty is capable of and having someone that's only been, see, I didn't know that. So that's his news for me that he's only been playing football for three years. It was already a higher three-star. So imagine if he had 
played maybe a JV team or something like that for two years if he wasn't in Italy. So say he was in America, he could have easily been a four-star by the time he actually was recruited. So the fact that Boise State found him and was able to kind of bring him in, this is this is where, you know, a great pairing has happened as far as a commitment to an actual school that's in need of someone with this type of explosion and uh, able to kind of just get the job done to go along with it. Uh, so let's talk about value. Uh, I don't see where he doesn't go undrafted in, in, fan, in, in freshman, especially now. You know, he's already up to the yeah. forefront, right? So where are you comfortable um, taking Genty? Like, are you going to reach for him? Because it's one of these guys where he's like, I need him. You know, it's just like a, a Caden Helms, like, got to have him, right? So he's going to move up rankings pretty quick. Uh, what what are you willing to pay? Like, are you, are you going to move a veteran for him? Or do you think you would just uh, draft her high in, in hopes of, kind of taming him early before anyone else does. I will reach on him and I'll reach on him in pretty much every format. CTC, I'll reach on him. CFF, I'll reach on him. He's a guy that I think can give you three years of really good production. We see Boise State continually churn out running backs for whatever reason. It's a, it's a program that's pretty focused on developing players. And I think that this is a type of player who fits in. I actually already think that he can step on campus and be used in a receiving role, for example. Like they want to limit um Halani's touches like he only he averaged 13 carries per game last year and he only played 12 games last two seasons they don't want him to probably tote the rock as a true rb1 like solidified it's probably going to be a 1a 1b situation i think that's a situation that could help genty and get him some looks early and then i don't think that Halani comes back after this year i think we have a guy who i i think he he is someone who has legit top five CFF potential probably as soon as 2023. Yeah. He, he just has the pass catching, like requisite pass catching skills, 96 catches in two years. And only one of those years, he was the true running back 16.9 yards per reception as a running back. Like this dude can catch. He's explosive. There's a lot to like about him. And I think he came in so low because we don't have we just he, we have one year of him starting and three years of him playing football. And only two of those are on offense. I know, I know that in our guide, we are way higher than consensus on him. I think he, I think he settles in uh, within the top 20, I know for sure. So this is a guy that we, you want to get ahead on pretty soon. And that's okay if the consensus just hasn't. Maybe they just have, they're, you know, behind the, behind the curve a little. Maybe we're the first ones to the forefront to kind of bring this information out. And maybe people will start seeing it, you know, once we bring it to the forefront. Also, something I just, yeah, Shakir's gone as well. So, yeah, we have an ultimate oper opportunity, and even in the passing game. So, even if they are going to split Holani and, and Genty, Genty could definitely see, uh, like I said, he's very much capable of catching the football, as we can see in the stats and stuff like that as well. Especially if you can get 70 yards per game and receiving and still run for almost 100 yards. That's ridiculously good. Uh, so, Definitely keep your eyes on Ashton Genty. He is the big fish, small pond, and he is going to Boise State. So, again, get your markers ready. Get your, your gold stars. That's something that you're going to want to see as well. Um, so, one, I want to thank Chris for coming on. It's good to have someone that is both in C2C and CFF. So I love that you have that mind of both, and you can kind of bridge that gap. So it's good to have someone that can kind of bring that to the, to the forefront. Uh, I know you're doing a lot of stuff. We talked about the college filters. So can you talk about the YouTube a little bit and then just some of the projects that you want to be doing here as we go into spring and summer and then, of course, the season? Yeah. Um, 
you know, our YouTube is doing so much content. It It's absurd. Um, you know, outside of this, we have the official that's over there, which is basically a recruiting analytics podcast. There's like foundational work that nobody else in this space is doing. Uh, you know, I have a daily show, College Football Filtered, that kind of discusses previous day's events or delves into just the college football landscape. We post a bunch of short videos on there detailing uh, quick impact players, like where the, wh what that transfer means, what that addition means to the offense. Uh, you know, a ton of uh, uh, most of our stuff ends up on YouTube and it really is just like day after day getting so much content for college football. It's it's really impressive what the entire team's able to do. And I think we're going to keep improving that the rest of the year and just keep building on what what we got going on. I know we've all changed our profile pictures to like just a black black circle and you know we have the date 314 2022 y'all are going to want to be ready for that one i don't want to give too much away but there's a lot of stuff coming downstream here and what we currently have out there is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg compared to where we'll be in two weeks so i i can't spoil it but it's you're, you're gonna like what you see i think what we can confirm is 314 is pi day so have you some pie. It, yes. We can confirm this pie. So please have some pie. Um, maybe make you a nice drink. Sit back and see what Campus of Canton's about to do because we're about to springboard a lot of great stuff for you guys. And of course, I'm not going to play spoilers or anything to that. But the only spoiler you're going to get is there's going to be pie on pie day. So make sure that you're doing it as well. Um, of course, you can find Chris. You can find him uh, as you see on the screen on YouTube. But for our listeners, he's at Chris Moxley 19. Chris, you got anything else that you want to kind of plug or anything like that or anything that you got stewing in, in the brain that you might be working on soon? Um, that, that is all I'll share. I want to keep it shrouded <laughs> in mystery what we have going on. Y'all, y'all are, uh, y'all going to enjoy what we have for sure. Just like, just like the Batman, he waits in darkness. So yeah, make sure that you, we're the hero that people, uh, keep people need, not they deserve. I think I got that quote, right? Yes. 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 Okay. Perfect. And we're not here for just we're not here for justice like Batman, but we are here for to be the hero. Uh and to spread the love of college football and of course NFL. And we put it all together in a nice what we call campus to Canton space as well. Uh so once again, I want to thank Chris for having it on. Of course, I'm Brandon T. Sanders. I'm your host. You can find me at CFF University. Uh of course, both of us are on the CFF team. So I want to plug Jared at CF underscore Jared. Uh he is our fearless leader and helps us kind of stay organized and within the Slack channel and for ideas and things like that. Also, shout out to Nate, Nate Marquise. He's at CFF Nate. Please make sure you reach out to him. Like I said, he's on the pulse of a lot of this stuff. I might, you know, bring you a show that's more freshman. But if there's anyone that's on the underground that's listening and stuff like that, it's Nate. So if, uh, you know, just read his tweets. I mean, he's casually pretty much sipping on an IPA and then just casually just kind of giving these sweet golden nuggets to make sure that you're uh, listening out and stuff like that. Um, of course, uh, you know, you can find all our content at cabinetsthecanton.com. So please kind of do that. And don't forget that the guy is coming out soon. Like I said, $20 individually, but why not pay the extra $9.99 and just get the subscription to get all these tools. So make sure you're doing that. Uh, we want you guys to have a great week. Uh, be kind to each other. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.